Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Trust and Believe. I'm smiling from ear to ear today because, as you all know, I talk a lot about anxiety and stress and mental health in everything that I do, from fitness to nutrition to relationships to past childhood trauma. And a lot of times when I talk about these things, I want to make sure that you don't think that I like talking about sad things. I want you to understand that when you are able to allow less than positive things into your life, your life becomes more abundantly clear. And today we have an incredible guest. I know this person is going to be incredible because not only has she taken up a life of helping people as a mental health specialist, in addition to that, she's also a part of my Unity community. And I know you all know that I love building communities on Facebook and Instagram and just social media in general on how I bring light to social media instead of keeping it negative. I know you're going to get so much meat and enjoy about your life on this episode. So get ready to trust and believe. Somebody say again. No, no, no. What's up? This is Sean T, and it's time to trust and believe. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Courtney. Oh, hey, my goodness. <laughs> Thank you for being here. I have so much to talk to you about, and I'm going to really try to cram it into 45 minutes. And I just want to challenge the listeners before we begin to really pay attention today, almost more than you've ever paid attention before, because there are people out there who are afraid to go to therapy, who are afraid to talk about their internal feelings. And I know that if you just open your mind right now, you're going to get some really great gems from this episode. So I just want to start out, Courtney, by asking you first, can you just tell me about yourself before you even tell me about your background? Just tell me about you as a person. First of all, let me just say it's an honor to be here. And um, you, you, I'm sure you literally had like thousands or million, even millions of people that you could have picked to do on it, do this show. And you picked me. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Yes. And yes, ATL. <laughs> and um, I'm, I'm a wife. Uh, I have two children. Recently, a homeschooling mom too. Just started oh, this wow. year. Health wise, or uh, uh, I've been doing, um, you know, eating 
um, eating clean and working out regularly for about mm, probably six, six and a half years. So, but I have had some slumps. I've had some setbacks. I've had some, you know, some moments where I completely fell off the wagon because I love food. I love to eat. And that's what I needed the <laughs> guests to hear. You know yes. what I mean? Before we get into the meat, yes. I'm like, listen. And the reason why I wanted you to talk about yourself a little bit first mm-hmm. is because I think a lot of times when people are about to enter a space of talking mm-hmm. about mental health, they sometimes put the therapist on a pedestal and it becomes oh, intimidating yeah. for people, which is why people don't want to walk into that room. But therapists mm-hmm. are human too, mm-hmm. you know? Let's dive into mental health because this is something that has been, I think, really put to the to the wayside, if you will, Mm -hmm. for a very long time, especially for Mm -hmm. people like us in a black community. We have been taught not to talk about these things Mm -hmm. or, you know, especially as a black man, Mm -hmm. it's you you are considered weak if you cry. And Mm -hmm. so I just would love to dive in and tell me about your mental health uh, profession, your mm-hmm. your education, and then I have some very specific questions after that. Okay. Well, um, I got my undergrad at uh, Southern University in Baton Rouge, go Jags. I took a break. I didn't go directly into graduate school. Most people do. I didn't. Even that turned into a blessing because I ended up working at this uh, uh, psychiatric facility for children and teens for four years and, uh, or excuse me, five years. And um, it was like the last stop before jail for some of these kids. So they had severe emotional problems, severe behavioral problems. They really couldn't function in the community in a safe way um, to where, to the point where they were a danger to themselves and or others. Um, And a lot of them had, particularly on the girls unit, um, that's where I spent most of my time there um or uh, that's where I worked most of the time there and you know there was a lot of history of abuse a lot of history of um especially on the girls unit on the girls side it was a lot of history of sexual abuse um a lot of trauma um and a lot of instability in their families and um you know I saw some things and experienced some things and had to do some things and you know, and learn some things and I will tell you it was probably the best move I could have made working uh, in the mental health field. It really, really prepared me for every other job that I went, um, that I took in the mental health field after that, to the point where I tell people coming out of college or out of grad school and they're in, they're interested in mental health that you should be at work in a facility like that for at least six months, because you're going to learn a lot. I graduated from Southern in 2000. In 2004, I, um, I uh, went to and got back, went back to school and got my master's degree from Argosy. And um, I graduated in 2006 and also had a bunch of circumstances that, um, that it took me way longer than what, you, what some people usually take to get their, you know, your full license, your licensed professional counselor, that you're where you're licensed by the state and all that. And I have been um, fully licensed for about oh six years now. Yeah, six years. Wow. And so, congratulations. Um, thank you. <clears throat> really working in the mental health field for um, about sixteen years. Wow, and, that's incredible. Um, yeah, thank you. Yes, and so. Um, both at the, um, you know, direct care level, uh, where you're kind of supervising the kids and all of that, and both at the graduate level as a therapist. 
So um, I've been doing that. My specialty is trauma. I've been uh, working with people with trauma really for most of my career and um, mostly children. And I was working with children at first and I was um, kind of like, you know, I'll never, I'll never work with adults. I'm not going to do that. Um, and <laughs> it's funny because, and whenever I say I'm never going to do something, God will find a way to laugh in my face <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and make it happen. And that's what happened. I ended up working for a facility where I didn't get to pick or for um, a company where they picked out your clients for you. And if wow. they needed, so they, you had to go wherever the need was. So if they needed you to work with an adult, then you got to go work with the adults. And that's yeah. what I did. I think it was the best thing ever um, because I really, really loved working with adults after that. I know a lot of people who forgot they had sexual trauma or childhood mm -hmm. trauma mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. emotional abuse trauma. Mm -hmm. They really have forgotten. Mm -hmm. And there would be things that trigger it that made them remember. When those things happen... And I talk to them and I say, hey, you should seek out therapy. I think it'd be really great for you. The first thing they say is, I don't want to bring that pain back to my life. What do you say to someone who's afraid to talk about the past when it was a really traumatic experience and they're afraid to, to enter therapy for it? I'd say it's completely normal. What you're feeling and what and um, how you are looking at the situation, not wanting to talk about it, is completely normal. Every just about every client that I have worked with that was in trauma has said that to me in some way, shape, or form, at some point in time, um, or even especially early on. Um, but I will say that you know, yes, we have to approach it at some point in time. But it's not something we're going to do on the first day. We're not going to do mm. it even on the second session. First, we're going to arm you with some skills and some techniques that will help you better traverse it. Because right now you can't. I don't want to talk with you about it either right now because you're not prepared for it. So you have to prepare a, a client for it first. That was that was really powerful. And I just right. I just want to thank you for saying that when you jump into an ocean or you swim in the ocean, you're just not jumping into the deep end that you're kind of walking in at toes first and, and then eventually you're up above your head but that takes some time to do and we're not so I'm not going to just drop you into the deep end we're just gonna we're gonna start at the at the beach and you're just going to um, go in toes first this section that I'm asking you is really to get people to gain that strength to sure. to maybe want to um, talk to a therapist mm -hmm. so you arm them with some skills and and how does it usually progress to where people feel like they can open up a little more usually someone that's coming into my office that is experiencing or struggling with trauma they're already um they're coming in already kind of stiff if you will and um already on guard on guard is the mm. is the term I'm, i was looking for so they're already on guard and um, you're all and there, and a lot of people, a lot of times, people who who experience trauma or are struggling with it and never had help to deal with it are going through life on guard all the time, all the time. And so, um, what we have to do first is to teach them how to kind of relax, bring some of that down, and relax a little bit, and also tell the difference establish the difference between a perceived threat and a real threat because sometimes 
sometimes we are reacting to things that are perceived. They're not necessarily a threat, but we think it is that way. And people with trauma think a lot often see everything or a lot of things as a threat. And so what I have to, what we have to do is establish that. What is a perceived threat versus what is a real threat? And what can we do to kind of bring your body relax a little bit so that every time you're triggered or every time you feel upset about something, how can you regulate how you're feeling emotionally and physically? But it starts with physically because when we're relaxed physically, then we're relaxed emotionally. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. I was actually just thinking of in the past, and mm-hmm. I got to remember to bring this up later when I ask you another question about okay. something else. But in the past, and I've spoken about this in my book, mm-hmm. but in the past, even like if Scott, my husband, were to come up to me and like touch me on my butt as like a gesture of, oh my God, I think it's so nice, or mm-hmm. just like a general affection, mm-hmm. it would send me into a tornado. I can't even explain to you how I would, it would send me so far beyond anything, Mm -hmm. any sort of anger. I was like just mad and I wanted to fight right away. Mm. And before I really could attach it to anything, it was just always like, no, I just don't like, I just don't like people touching my butt. I just don't like that. You know, and it was, and Mm -hmm. if I can be like super, I'm very, you know me, I'm very upfront, Mm -hmm. even when it came to, you know, intimacy, like this Mm -hmm. is off limits. Like, don't even, don't even think, you know, it was just like an off limits, everything like, right. You know, until I went to therapy and realized Mm -hmm. that mama Lester started out in the middle of the night, touching my butt first. That's how I woke up. Mm -hmm. It was a perceived threat to me Mm -hmm. when it was, it wasn't a threat at all. It was coming from a loving place. But I just wanted to share that with you to like bring some, you know, color to it from my experience. No, absolutely. And I think it's great that you know that that was a trigger for you because a lot of people don't know sometimes that things are a trigger uh, or something is triggering them and it's taking them back to that trauma. We we still don't even approach triggers until we we do some relaxation first. Uh, Relaxation skills and also what's something called interoception skills. And interoception is really the ability to re- relax in real time. So with relaxations versus with relaxation skills where um, you kind of have to disengage from something in order to, to do it. Like um, let's say uh, an example of relaxation would be like belly breathing. With interoception, you can do it in real time without disengaging. I have done it while I've been driving car a car and you can do it just that way. And I think that's really good, particularly for people who have trauma because they can, they can, they are literally dealing with the trauma as it's occurring or not the trauma, the mm. trigger as it's occurring and they don't have to disengage. And sometimes you can't do that. You can't go and, you know, sometimes you can always go off and do belly breathing with interoception skills, you can do that no matter what you're doing. And what's an example of that? If you can just give me like a little piece. Yeah. So uh, one is called wet noodle versus cooked noodle. You can imagine your body as a cook, as cooked spaghetti. And that's usually how people are starting off because, and you just kind of, I just um, tell, invite people to start just being aware of how their body is feeling. 
So they, you know, give them a couple of seconds to do that. And I said, now imagine your body as um, cooked spaghetti. How does it feel? And, and pretend that you're cooked spaghetti and just kind of move your body in that direction. And, mm. and then that's when every muscle in your body, you're relaxing every muscle in your body at the same time. And you can literally do that while you are driving. Whatever you're doing, you can do it without completely disengaging with practice. It's interesting but- because I'm, of the way I look at it is a lot of times when you do get into a space where you feel either attacked or threatened mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be, I'm thinking of like the spaghetti that can snap easily because it's hard. But when mm-hmm. you like, I didn't think about that, like, just like move, just like, right. <laughs> you know, let your body feel a little more free. Yeah, because if you're more, if you really are aware of how your body is feeling, and I I learned this in a training a few years ago, that, you know, it is, it surprised me how much I was walking around with a rigid, with rigid muscles all the time. So Mm -hmm. you really have to tune into your body and kind of calm it down. And like I said, when your body is calm, your mind is calm. When you're ready to fight, you are leaving the part of your brain that's rational, which is which is mm-hmm. called which is the prefrontal cortex that guides judgment and reasoning and all of that. And then you're going straight into reptilian brain. So this break shuts down and the and then you go into reptilian brain mode, which is which com- controls any kind of self automatic self preserving behaviors, fight, flight, or freeze. So um, and so that works when you are in a real situation a real threatening situation you need to be in reptilian when you're in a real situation it works what doesn't work is when you're going into it um when you're not in a uh, in a real situation that's real threat it's you're perceiving it as a threat and you're behaving as it is and you're going into reptilian and people who have um who have who are struggling with trauma are often um overly their uh, their reptilian brain is 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 being overly used or overly rep- regulated. Um, yeah. So the point of doing that is you know is to relax your body is to also relax your mind so that you are um, no longer in reptilian and you're going back into prefrontal cortex and you can make better choices about what's happening around you. I would love for you to kind of break down each one you know from a professional standpoint break down anxiety depression, mm-hmm. worry, or, or whatever other, mm-hmm. um, you know, medical terms you could actually mm-hmm. use to help people understand if they're listening, this is, this may be what you're going through. Okay. And, and then from there, we'll move on to how to, you know, really help them move forward. I can start with anxiety and worry first, cause they kind of go hand in hand because they are, they fall kind of under the same umbrella. Um, they are, they're both kind of anxiety um, rooted, well, worry is an anxiety rooted, um, condition pretty much. And so the goal for people with anxiety is to maintain control when they feel like they're losing control. Mm. So, um, a lot of times, um, or to try and avoid situations that they are seeing or foreseeing, I should say, as something where they might be out of control. 
And so a lot of times um, that's what's happening and, uh, and it's developed usually because, you know, people may have past life experiences involving some type of loss of control, um, whether it's, tr it could be trauma, but it doesn't have to be just trauma. It could be uh, sudden life changes or experiences of adversity where you actually got through, you actually got through it, but you're going to do whatever is necessary to avoid it again. It leads people who are struggling with anxiety to going, going above and beyond um, doing, uh, doing whatever they can in order to um, maintain that bubble of safety that they, they are, they perceive for themselves and, um, and to maintain control. It's really about uh, control at the end of the day. And some, uh, some signs of anxiety might be something like um, worrying, like you said, worrying a lot. Um, you might feel some physical signs, like, um, you know, every time you think about whatever it is that you're upset about or you're thinking about, you might, you know, might have um, some butterflies in your stomach or um, may not want to eat. And you might feel a little jittery, a little nervous. You might have a hard time sleeping at night. Um, and... I've struggled with anxiety myself, and um, a lot of times my sleep would, would be affected by it. There are different types of anxiety diagnoses, so it just depends on what it is. But, you know, um, some of it might just be, like I said, worrying about everything and also doing a lot of stuff. You might find yourself doing um, a lot of things to avoid it. So um, it could be like over planning. Um, something like that, or or planning, and um, I'm a planner sometimes, and some and some I have to check myself sometimes because I'm, sometimes it is anxiety triggered, and I, I that's when I start to go into over planning mode and starting to develop plan A, B through Z, and oh, so wow. you have to just um, sometimes you have to let it go, and um, also. And, and I'm saying that, but it's not, it's easier said than done with people who have anxiety. So I don't, I don't want to, uh, by any means demean someone who has it because it's not easy to just let it go. If you did, then you wouldn't be having a problem with it. Right. So, um, so it's not easy, but learning how to let it go is what I probably should have said. But, um, anyway, the, um, also overthinking. So a lot of times people who have anxiety tend to overthink and that is me all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Me too. yeah, yeah. That's when I feel that my anxiety exacerbates. Like it goes from like a level one mm -hmm. to a level one million three hundred sixty-five thousand eight hundred thirty-two right. to the tenth power. It yes. just the overthinking and and like the scenarios, mm -hmm. and that is when it gets mm -hmm. wild. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I do want to also state, like you stated before, if it, if you are a person who are suffering from anxiety or overthinking or worry, it is not easy to get yourself out of that. Because by no means do yeah. I want to say, oh, it, it sounds a little bit easier on this, on 
by being further down the road of being able to manage it. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it is incredibly tough to it is to calm that brain down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. You're you're so right. And I I've, I've struggled with it for a long time too. And there are some times where I still overthink. But thankfully, I've one had I've had some therapy for it too. Therapists go to therapy too. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we're people too. So, um, so I've had some struggles with that. I mean, um, I've 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 sought therapy for it, but also, um, I have some great people in my life that are like that can say in very kind and loving ways. I think you're overthinking this, <laughs> and you know, and um, my husband's one of them. He's a he's a psychiatrist, so oh, he wow. knows it too. And yeah, and so he's just you know. When you know when I'm kind of going overboard, he's like, I, I think you're overthinking this a little bit. And so, and then you know, when, and then sometimes I can I can do it myself. I've learned how to do it myself too. Um, and well, I'm just like, stop. With your husband, you know where he's coming from because I think a lot of times when people are relying on their spouse to help them through it, it becomes more of a tumultuous situation than it does mm-hmm. a loving one. And yeah. so, by you being able to know. It's kind of like you have that person that's able, it's like the angel on your shoulder that's like, that you trust, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I think you might be overthinking this. You're like, you know what? I'm right. Whereas if you aren't there yet, anybody who tells you, I think you might be overthinking this, it's like, no, I'm not. Like, this is, you know, this is so real, mm-hmm. you know? And so mm-hmm. I think, I just think it's mm-hmm. good that you brought that up. Like, yeah, you know, you got to have that safe person next to you. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to have someone, you know, that you're at a healthy relationship with where you can, you know, um, where you can rely on that can tell you whether or not you're overthinking why he's one. My mother is one. I have a mentor that's an, um, um, that will, that has done it before too. Um, when we talk, if I'm overthinking, she'll let me know. So I, you know, I, I rely on that and I'm, and I'm grateful that I have people who can tell me the truth and, and do it in a way that, you know, where I'm not feeling devalued or not hurt, you know? And so, um, so I think that is, um, very important. You know, and, you know, and other things that people who with anxiety struggle with sometimes is, you know, sometimes relationships and interactions. So, you know, some people may avoid social interactions. Um, you know, I, 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 looking back on my life when I was younger, I, I definitely did that. Avoid social interactions, you know, people who have social anxiety, which I, I think I had probably some of that too. So, um, they avoid social interactions or if they do have interactions with people, they're constantly re, um, reenacting, um, what happened or what was said in their head, you know, um, or I should have said this, or I should have said that, or, um, did, did that sound weird when I did this and all of that just kind of, um, re, re rehatching it in your brain and also kind of constantly critiquing it and re-critiquing it does that make sense yes and so yeah a lot of times people with anxiety will do that um and then they will um also um do everything that's necessary to kind like i said to avoid um any kind of bad or negative outcome um so a lot of times when i have people in my um office come with anxiety we just go there sometimes i'm just like okay well what if the worst happens and then what so what is the worst what's the worst case scenario spell it out for me and they do okay then then what what happens 
And so, and, and, you know, and okay, well, will you survive it? Um, how do you come out of it? Um, is there anything you can learn from it? If it does, um, what are the odds of this happening? How many times in, in, in this year or this month or whatever, what, depending on the inform- the situation, how it, um, of course, how many times that has this happened when uh, in this situation? Well, none or one. Okay, so what do you think the odds are it happening now? And then also, what would you tell your the, a friend or your child or someone else who was struggling with this same thought? What would you tell them? And a lot of times, you know, when I when I use that question, a lot of times people are like, <laughs> they will tell them the same thing that I would probably would have told them. So I'm just right, like, right. so yeah, so how come it doesn't apply to you? Right. I know we're talking about anxiety, but because of time, I, I do want to talk about depression. Sure, sure, sure. Now, the reason why I want to talk about depression and there, I, especially with my community, I do see it more often than not of mm-hmm. people ex- um, talking about their depression. And to be quite honest, I'm not well versed in it at all. I've never experienced it. Even though I was on depression medication before, I was on depression medication mm-hmm. because I thought I was depressed when I, me personally, I was just in a relationship and a life space that I wasn't out of. I couldn't mm-hmm. get out of. And mm-hmm. once I realized that, oh my gosh, when I'm not, around that person or in that relationship or in Mm -hmm. that physical space, Mm -hmm. I'm like really happy. So I've never really dealt with the, um, the pain and the struggle and the mental anguish that comes with people that I know have suffered from depression. And so I just want you to like, however you want to talk about depression that can help someone either acknowledge that they have it, get help for, or even if they're Mm -hmm. currently, um, you know, dealing with it now, I would love to hear your expertise on some of that. Sure, sure. Well, first I can t- start off by talking about kind of what it looks like, breaking down what it looks like. And usually the way depression happens is it's it's usually when things that used to bring you pleasure, you, you used to enjoy, you're not enjoying as much anymore. And, um, or, and uh, it can also look like you're feeling sad, um, more often than not, on more days than not, you're feeling sad. And, um, but it can also look differently on different people because some people may be severely depressed. Others might, this might be mildly. So there are different, let, before I kind of go down the list of what it looks like, just know that for every symptom there, there is a spectrum. So there are, you know, people that might be really, really struggling and with one symptom and one that's where it's kind of slight, but not as severe. Um, So it might be something like you're, you're either, um, are you eating, find that you're eating less these days. You're not as hungry as you're, as you used to be, you know, loss of appetite, or maybe you're eating more. A lot of times people who are depressed tend to eat more carbs um, a lot of times, like the comfort foods type mm-hmm. stuff. And so, uh, so you're eating more. Are you seeing weight, more weight loss? Are you, have you been experiencing some weight loss lately without trying to lose weight? Or have you gained weight? Um, are you sleep? What's your sleep like? Are you sleeping? Um, some people with depre- depression or either oversleep sometimes, or they're not sleeping as much or enough. Um, 
uh, also, um, they may not, uh, they may have a lot, loss of energy, like physically feel tired, uh, mm. or fatigued. Um, so a lot of times, you know, and I've, I've talked to people, if I could pause it for a minute before I go down the list even more and just say this note too, a lot of times people have, I have clients and I've heard this so often where they come into my, they come in and they have people in their lives that say things that are well-meaning, but not helpful at all to someone who is depressed. So mm-hmm. things like, oh, well, you can just look on, you just look on the bright side, or you got to get past this, or you know, um, if you just, you know, uh, get out a little bit and you'll be fine. And you know, um, or even I'll even go there. I love the Lord, but I will go there. You just need to pray about it. And yes. and you know, I uh, yes, prayer works. I believe that. Yes. But sometimes the answer to your prayer is professional help. I do believe, you know, in the Bible, when, when, when the Bible says, you know, when two or three are gathered together, you know, like incredible things happen. Yes. But that's because number one, you feel supported Mm -hmm. or even when you're praying, Mm -hmm. because a lot of times people say, Oh, you know, you just got to pray. But I realized that when, in a, when I'm in a space where I'm praying, I'm Mm -hmm. also I'm also acting. I'm I'm also taking action on the thing that I'm praying for. So right. I and so everything you said, yeah, all of those things. You just gotta look on the bright side. You gotta get out more. You gotta right. why don't you just like that's and it's like, no, people, because if it was that easy, I would have been at the club. I would have been to the club last week. Right. <laughs> you know it's not helpful saying? and it's not kind. Right. Because now you're assuming that this person is coming from the same um uh, worldview or the same uh, point of view as you are and they're not right. and um also the um you know also depression is just not it's emotionally because it starts in the brain so there are Im- chemical imbalances in the brain sometimes that uh trigger depression you see you, you i've seen studies where there have been brain scans on people who have depression versus people who have you know, who are not depressed and they look different. So so that tells you that this is an organic, this is a biological, a medical issue. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. One of the things that annoys me mm-hmm. beyond anything especially when it comes to workplace Mm -hmm. is when someone you know has food poisoning and they're sick all day or if someone comes in with a fever 
or or they're coughing or whatever the case may be, people will be like, oh, go home, go lay down, mm-hmm. go. I'll drive you to the ER. Like, this doesn't look right. But when someone comes in and they are mentally stressed, they can't focus. They are having a lot going on. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you got to come in. Like, we got to get this done. Right. And it just annoys me that mental health isn't viewed or valued the same as physical health. If any of my team, if they were stressed, I'm like, what do you want to do? Do you want to go relax? Do you want to get help? People with depression go around with masks all the time. What I call it or what, what is called in our, in my profession, a mask. So they look happy, they're acting happy, but that's not how they feel, but that's how they're that's kind of how they're masking their true feelings. Sometimes that's mm-hmm. what happens. And I've had many clients say it and they've been very good at it. Some of them aren't good at it. And so they're home and all the time, not showering or not eating, things like that. And so that, and that's another, those are other signs too. Like tasks become too great. You, it's a, you have a hard time starting tasks or completing them. Um, mm-hmm. So in a hard time, just getting up to actually do the tasks And um, you also might have someone who may not be um, who may not be uh, hygiene wise and their hygiene isn't what it used to be. So they're not showering. They're not getting dressed, you know, uh, things like that. Um, Or it can be a lot of times people who are depressed have difficulty making decisions and difficulty with concentration because they're kind of focused on some of those thoughts that are that may be triggering the depression it's hard to kind of get out of that headspace when Mm -hmm. when you're depressed it's very hard and so um so a lot because of that they have a hard time making decisions um you may see this person crying easily more easily than usual uh, or than normal if they're in a relationship they may not be um their sex drive might be low um and uh, outside of the norm, you know, maybe before it wasn't, it was pretty normal, but now they don't really want, they're not interested in sex anymore. Plans of suicide, things like that. Sometimes people, you know, when, when they're depressed, they, you know, tend to go there a little bit in terms of the suicide or, you know, it may not be suicidal. They might not be suicidal per se saying, I'm going to kill myself. I have a plan, but it might be something like, maybe it's just, maybe it'd just be better if I weren't here. My final question would be, how can you help people trust and believe in the fact that therapy is okay for them? Well, I'd say that um, more people seek it than you think. And I, I am so grateful. I'm so glad that you said that this, it's, it's been such a taboo in the Black community because you are absolutely right. And um, I will say, I'm happy to say that I have seen some changes um, in our community in the, five, in the past, I'd say, five, ten years. But I will also say that it's still kind of ongoing. You still, every once in a while, you hear that one black person is like, "Black people don't do that. We don't go to therapy." And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, we do. I most of the people I've seen have been black, and um, but and a lot of times they seek they seek me out because I am black. Yes. <laughs> and yes. And then um, and then uh, on top of that, I've got it. I've gotten it. I've gone to therapy too, and I know many bl- other black therapists. I belong to a page on Facebook for black therapists. So, so we are, we're it. out there and it's, and it's real. And I think it's, um, and I think to, you're right. There is a stigma to it, but the thing is you have to look at it this way is that we get our bodies healthy 
every every day, you know, with those workouts that those hard behind workouts that you do, you be kicking my butt every time, sir. But anyway, we do those. We do we we get our minds, we we get our bodies in shape, and we do. And in order to do that, it takes consistency, and we have to continually do it to keep it in shape, right? And continually challenge it. Sometimes that's what we have to do with our mind. And sometimes we our our mind is so completely out of shape, and we don't know. And we need a personal trainer for that. <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. and I think a therapist, you know, not to sound corny, but a therapist is kind of like a personal trainer for the mind, if you think, if you will, you know? It's not kind of like, it is. Yeah. It <laughs> is. I mean, you provide exercises. I mean, you said this a while ago mm-hmm. in, the, in the interviews, you really arm people with the foundation Mm -hmm. of being able to manage things when they get heavy. And that's exactly what we do as personal trainers. We're not asking you to come in and bench 200 pounds on the first day. Right. So, you know, it's the same exact thing. And I love that that's how you're able to, to explain it to people who may be afraid. Like you work on your body, let's get a personal trainer for your mind. And more people do it than you would think. They just don't tell you. So a lot of people aren't, you know, a lot of people aren't going to tell you that they're in therapy. Sometimes they don't do that. I can't tell you who I've seen in therapy. You know what I'm saying? Correct. So I can't, I I, I can't do that. But, um, you know, it is, and I always tell clients, you know, I kind of tell them this to kind of make them smile a little bit, especially if they're feeling a little uncomfortable or nervous. I'm like, listen, everything we're going to do in this, in these sessions and our time together is designed for you to outgrow me to get to a mm. point where you don't need to come anymore. So so um let's let's go ahead and go there. Let's do that. Let's change these these thought processes. Let's arm you with the skills where you can where if these you know these automatic negative thoughts are coming into your brain again, which they will um at long after you see me, they'll continue to happen because we're humans and that's what happens. Mm-hmm. And um, but at this, at that point, you will be armed with the skills to change, challenge them on your own. When you introduce yourself, I love how you uh-huh. said, I'm a wife first, because a lot of people say I'm a mom first and I'm a wife. And that just really showed me right away that the foundation of your household is you and your husband are a team. And you're like, oh, we got to roll with this. And I just yes. think that's so it just it just made me really happy because Scott and I always say, I'm like, y'all come second because I need all the support. We need all the support we can get from each other so that you can have an incredible day, week, life, year, whatever. And so I don't know. I just wanted to say that. I just I I smiled on the inside. And you're like, I'm a wife because I'm like, I'm a husband and then I'm a dad. (laughs) Exactly. That's how it should be. God, husband or wife, children. (laughs) <laughs> you know that's how it is so that and that's how it is in our household so yeah thank you courtney johnson you are like i said beautiful on the inside beautiful on the outside and thank your knowledge you. has, has really helped me today and i'm sure people will absolutely um love you